So this morning I'm going to continue going with this series that we're running on the Ten Commandments. And this is now our third week into it. So if you've been with us for the last two, maybe you're catching on by now that that I'm going in backwards order. We're doing this countdown style. So we began two weeks ago with the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet. And last week we looked at the Ninth Commandment, you shall not lie. And so this morning we move on to the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. Now, what what we've seen here developing so far is a bit of a pattern, right? We've noted that in these commandments, at least the ones that we've seen so far, they are all stated as, as a negative prohibition, something you should not do. But we have also noted so far in these that each one of these commandments implies a positive reinforcement. Right? Not only something you shouldn't do, but, but also something you should do along with that. And today's going to be no different. We also saw last week, for example, how, you know, on the surface, we may go right over this commandment and think, yep, simple, I got it. Right? You shall not lie. Tell the truth. I got it. But as we talked about that last week, we saw, hmm, there's this gray area where maybe we need to dig a little deeper, and we're going to find that again today, too. You shall not steal. Got it. I don't rob banks. I don't shoplift. Got it. Move on. But there's a little more to it. We can dig in a little further, especially when we see, well, what is the positive affirmation? What is it that this commandment is calling us to do along with what we should not do? So we'll dig into that today. And today I'm going to get into that by introducing it with just a couple of verses. Two verses that will get us going. And I'll reference some other scripture. We're going to bounce around a bit as we go. But I want to set the tone for this with just two verses that come from Psalm 24. And then we'll get into this command. Psalm 24 then, it begins with these words. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world is and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Just those two verses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stealing then. You shall not steal. You know, let, let me begin with this. So, so let's think about some of the things that maybe we immediately categorize as stealing. And we'll run with a few examples that that hopefully as we keep digging a little bit further and further into this, begin to demonstrate for us that, you know what, there is an area that we don't necessarily all agree on. I mean, I've already said something like bank robbery or shoplifting. And those are things that maybe you would say, yep, definitely, that's stealing. But What about all those other areas of stealing that we may think of, right? Things that, like, for example, things that we refer to as intellectual property, right? Something that's under patent protection. Something where it's it's not a physical good that you're stealing, but it's an idea that may be stolen. What about copyright, books, music, movies, those kinds of things? In the years that I had a chance to uh, teach and be on faculty at Colorado Christian University, there was more than once where I caught a student plagiarizing, turning in work that they did not write. And the university had some pretty severe consequences for doing that, for stealing somebody else's work. 
and turning it into zero. Sometimes uh, in this day of internet connecting, we talk about things like identity theft, right? That, that there can be stealing of social security numbers and bank accounts and someone takes over something of impersonating who you are online to get from you, stealing. This whole idea of insider trading, right? People who make Wall Street brokers who make backroom deals ahead of other people so that they can, in some sense, steal the Wall Street profits before any of the other traders or brokers can do that. I mean, all these different things that sort of work their way around into this this idea of stealing. But keep digging, though. Keep working through this. And, And we get to a few things where maybe there's not all agreement now. Maybe you know someone or maybe you are someone who's shared a Netflix password, right? Can I just log in on your account to watch movies and not have to sign up and pay for my own kind of a thing? Is that stealing? Depends on who you ask, I suppose. I own a home here in Michigan and and have gone through all the things to purchase and get that mortgage and, and hold the title, hold the deed to that here in Michigan. But, uh, but you know, before this was Michigan, this was an area that was settled and inhabited by the Ottawa tribe of Native Americans. So how did it go from them to Michigan and become that? Right? In some sense, and even though I have a title and a deed to the property, the house that I own, do I own that land? Or is that land stolen? Depends on who you ask. We don't all agree on those things. The clothes that I'm wearing today, the shirt that I have on, I imagine a good portion of the shirts that are in my closet were probably made in some factory in the Asian Pacific region by people who work under very poor conditions and make less than $2 a day. But yet, I enjoy that. The end where I get to reap all the benefits of someone who works to barely get by. So all these items that I have that are made under cheap or unfair labor conditions, is there something stolen in that? we may not all agree. We don't all have the same answer about things like that. Or what about this? What about the styrofoam and plastic cups that uh, it's a single use, it's a one-time thing. I use it once and then I toss it into a trash instead of a recycle and it goes into a landfill and it never decomposes, never breaks down, pollutes the environment. Is Is there even such a thing as stealing from the creation, from the environment, by behavior where I pollute it, destroy it, instead of preserve it, care for it, recycle. Is that stealing? Well, people aren't going to agree about that. It depends on who you ask, doesn't it? What about opportunities when I could share, but I don't? 
Let me give an extreme example, all right? Let's say I'm swimming off the pier at Grand Haven, and a riptide comes in, and I start to get carried out, and there's somebody else, and two of us are getting carried out, and people on the pier see it. They throw some of the life rings. I happen to be right there, and I grab both of them. I've got two life rings. There's another guy nearby who's still being swept out and struggling to swim, and no life rings for him. What if I hang on to both those life rings? It's more than I need. I only need one. But there's a clear and obvious place where I could share the excess of what I have because I don't need that much for someone else in a time of peril who desperately needs it. That's an extreme example, but take that down. How many other examples are there in our world, in our lives, we face where, you know what? I've got an excess. I've got more than I need. And then there's someone right in front of me who could desperately use at least some of what I have extra. But I don't. Is that stealing? All right, you see where this is going now. Right? All right, yeah, I mean, I can talk about bank robbery and shoplifting and we can move on pretty easily. But what about all these other things? I mean, what counts as stealing? Especially when so many of these examples, we are not all going to agree and have the same answers, are we? That's, that's the world we live in. So, how do we make sense of this commandment? How do we find an understanding of what God really is giving us in this commandment for us, in the way he wants us to live? How do we find a place on that? Well, Let's begin by this. Maybe instead of, of dealing with the question of what counts as stealing, what is stealing, or what is not stealing, maybe we should reframe that question and, and maybe take it from a different perspective. Instead of asking what is stealing, let's ask who do we steal from? Because some of these things may appear obvious, right? If I go out to the coat rack and start rifling through till I find a set of car keys and then just wander the parking lot, pushing the button until I hear the chirp and drive off. I'm stealing from somebody. That car belongs to one of you, but I'm stealing from somebody. Some of these things, though, maybe it's a little more difficult to figure out. Who is the victim and who are we stealing from when we share a Netflix password? Maybe that's a way to think into it. So who is it that we're stealing from? Well, we began today by looking at those few verses that open Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's the Lord's and everything in it. So can we frame the question and at least begin to think about what it means to steal, at least by beginning with this thought that any time, any time that I behave in this world in which I begin to think that things are mine, that they're mine to own, I'm stealing from God. This psalm, Psalm 24, this comes from David. David wrote this, and David wrote this in a way where where you remember David was the shepherd who became king, the king of Israel. In that time and in that culture, no one had more right to claim ownership over anything than the king. If anyone would have had the right to say, I own it, it's mine, it would have been David, the king. But yet David writes these words that says, nope, 
It's not mine. None of this is mine. The earth is not mine. The world is not mine. The creation is not mine. Everything belongs to the Lord. So David brings that before us in ways where maybe it gives us something to consider to begin with in this gray area of, well, what's stealing and what's not. Begin with that idea to remember that. You know what? It all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's. So maybe when we think about stealing and how we approach this as people who follow God, people of faith, maybe we need to actually reframe this whole idea of ownership, what it means to own anything at all. And instead of ownership, think a little bit more about stewardship. I mean, that's a word that we use in the church from time to time, stewardship. And, and sometimes maybe we think of stewardship as, well, I mean, it's, it's how we give our tithes and our offerings. Or we think of stewardship as the wise and prudent use of our resources, that we want to be good stewards with what God has given to us. And that's all true. But stewardship, then, is an acknowledgement. Stewardship. When we think of ourselves as God's stewards, what we're saying, what we're acknowledging in that is that everything belongs to God and we are the caretakers, the stewards. That's what a steward is. The ones who care for God's world on his behalf. You know, that's an idea that comes way back in Genesis. You can see it already there. In something where when God created the world and he created Adam and Eve and, and he gives Adam and Eve a job to do, a mandate. Sometimes in the church we call this the creation mandate that we see in Genesis 1 in verses 26 and following. This is what God says there in Genesis 1:26. He says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures of the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said to them, I give you Every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky, all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. The creation mandate. The place in which God said, you know what, this... This is something that I am setting you in charge of. You are the caretakers. Now, I know there's a lot of words that that we could maybe see or interpret in different ways. Rule the earth, subdue it, I give it to you. I mean, these are Hebrew words that have some, some elastic meaning. They can mean different things in different contexts. One example out of that, the Hebrew word kavash, which in our Bibles, then translates as subdue, subdue the earth, can mean several things. In other parts of the Bible, it's translated as violate or rape. Is that what God is telling Adam and Eve to do? Trash the world? 
in other parts of the Bible. It's translated as to walk upon or to make a path. In other parts of the Bible, it carries more the nuance of cultivate, develop. It means different things in different contexts. And and in this context, it's clear what God is telling Adam and Eve to do. He's saying, this earth is something, I don't want you to trash it, but cultivate it, develop it. Explore and uncover and unpack all the potential that God has placed within his created world. That's the job, the mandate that was given to Adam and Eve. One that we carry yet today to explore, develop, cultivate as stewards of God's world. Or maybe think of it this way, that that in that creation mandate, here's what God's doing. God is handing over the keys and saying, all right, here, it's yours to drive, but I'm not signing over the title. Right? God says, you drive this now, but I still hold the deed. I'm not just signing it over and walking away. God does not do that. He still owns it. He is still the rightful owner of all the created world. But we've been set in a place of stewardship to care for that, something which is not ours, but we care for on God's behalf because it's his. I'm not sure that steward is a verb, but maybe it ought to be. Maybe we ought to think of it that way. I mean, we we talk about ownership as a verb, right? I own my house, I own my car, I own my retirement account, but, but what if I could steward that instead? So instead of owning my house, I steward my house. I mean, it, it all belongs to God, and I care for it on God's behalf. Instead of owning my car, I steward my car. Instead of owning my retirement account, I steward my retirement account. I'm not sure that's good English grammar, but it's good theology. To think of that in the ways of all those things that naturally I think of in terms of ownership, but instead stewardship. That I am made a steward of what I have. Then any time that, uh, that I mistakenly begin to behave as though this world is mine to own, I find the correction that it's not mine to own. That I'm the steward. And whenever I do start thinking, it's mine to own. May that then be the reminder that I'm stealing from God. It's God's world. It's his. Think of the way this comes to us in other passages. Here's what Malachi has to say about this. Malachi talks about the tithe and asks this question then. Will you, a mere mortal, rob God? Yet you rob me. And, and you ask, how are we robbing you? And tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. That God, through his scripture, reminds us in more than one place and on more than one occasion that we are not the owners, but it begins with God. 
and we care for that. So let, let me take it back to an example, an example I started with that, that maybe falls in one of those gray areas. And think about it reframed in this way. All right, so I, I take a plastic cup or a styrofoam cup and, and then I just toss it in the trash. I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with this recycling. Is it stealing? Is it not stealing? If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, if we are given the creation mandate to cultivate, develop, and care for this world, do I steal when I ignore an opportunity to do that well, to do that wisely, to be a steward of God's creation when the opportunity is in front of me to do that? Here's what our church has to say about this. This comes from the contemporary testimony, Our World Belongs to God. It's Article 51 in that testimony, which says this about the creation and our care for it. We lament that our abuse of creation has brought lasting damage to the world we've been given, polluting streams and soil, poisoning the air, altering the climate, and damaging the earth. We commit ourselves to honor all God's creatures, to protect them, from abuse and extinction, for our world belongs to God. Because we are the stewards. We have opportunities to care for our world. And when we ignore that, when we fail to do that, when we turn our back on that mandate of stewardship, we steal from God. So how do we move forward on this? So, so let me take into this then two observations that we can use as some practical application, right? Where do we go from this today in, in ways that will help us make a good step forward in that direction? Two practical observations that we can make out of this. The first one that I'm going to say is this. Avoid entitlement. Entitlement. That, that we live in ways to which we are entitled people. And entitlement is, is that act or that attitude of thinking that I deserve it. It ought to be mine. You don't have to watch television very long until you see this in so many different ways. Because how many television commercials embrace entitlement? Right? That, that new car or that vacation or whatever it is, you deserve it. So that's why you ought to have it. You've earned it, so that's why you ought to have it. That, that we are saturated and bombarded in our culture with entitlement, that I should have things just because I deserve it, without any explanation of, do I really deserve it or not? Entitlement comes at us. Think of some of the examples of this that show up in the Bible. In Joshua chapter 7, the Israelites destroy the city of Jericho just by marching around it, and it all collapses, right? And God gives a command, leave it. Don't take anything. But in Joshua 7, we see one of the Israelites, a man named Achan, who comes and hoards some of that treasure out of that and hides it in his tent. And then calamity comes upon the entire camp because of what Achan did because of what he thought he was entitled to take for himself. 
Think of another example from the New Testament. In Acts chapter 5, people are giving to the church and, and two people, Ananias and Sapphira, pledge a commitment. They say, hey, we're going to do this and give this to Peter so that it can be used for the church, but, but they hold back some of that. They don't give it all. And when they're confronted on that, they deny it. Because entitlement creeps in. I mean, some of that is, is mine. I, I, I get to choose, right? It's mine to choose what I want to do with and how I want to do that. Entitlement brings us to that place where we think we deserve it, so we think we own it. Entitlement is what gets in the way then of, of living as the steward that God wants us to be in this world. Entitlement is something that we look for in our lives to avoid because entitlement creeps in 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 a way that somehow convinces us that we're not doing anything wrong, right? That it's all good, that we're all okay. Let me give it to you maybe more in this example that, uh, that like so many of you, I mean, I, I work and then I earn a paycheck. And I think, like so many of the rest of, you know what, I've done the things to get to this place, right? I've, I put in the hours, and I show the work that I do. I've, I've gone to school, I've gotten the education, I have the degrees, or, or I've done what I need to be certified for the trade that I'm in, or, you know, I've done the apprenticeship, whatever that may be that applies to the field of work that you do, that I've done all the things to get to this place, and I do all the things to perform this job, and so I get a paycheck, and I'm entitled to that. I've earned it. I deserve it. Never mind that there are billions of other people in the world who are every bit as smart as I am and smarter, who work every bit as hard as I do and harder and receive just a fraction of what I get in pay or in compensation. So if I'm entitled to, if if the paycheck that we all get, if that's something that we are entitled to get, then why don't these other billions of people in the world get the same thing? How is that an entitlement rather than a gift? A gift of blessing. You see, when we avoid entitlement, we start to see things a little bit differently then, don't we? We start to see things then not as something that I own, that I deserve, that I've worked for, but but something that comes as a blessing from God and of which I am a steward. It's his, and I use it for him. So that's one, avoid entitlement. Here's the other one. Practice generosity, right? Because if entitlement is the thing that sneaks in, that sort of makes us stealers without us recognizing it, then generosity is the undoing of that. Generosity is the undoing of entitlement. Generosity is the thing that gives back, right? If stealing is the act of taking for ourselves something to which we are not entitled, then generosity is the act of giving away for someone else something to which they are not entitled. You see, we pull entitlement out of the equation altogether. And it's simply giving 
no strings attached, because we can. True generosity, then, is, is the complete undoing of entitlement. Remember, again, those words that I started with and that come from the Heidelberg Catechism that says this in response to this commandment about stealing, that I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need, that I practice generosity, that I find ways to do this. Think of some of the ways that this comes practically. I've I've shared this story before, so maybe you've heard this one before, that, that for me, one of the habits that I had to change to embrace and practice generosity was the way that I tip when I go out to eat. Because I had, like many other people, I had approached and thought of tipping restaurant servicers, servers as something that they had to earn. And so whether I tipped less or tipped more depended on how well they did. But I changed the way I thought about that. You know what? I'm not going to make this an entitlement anymore. I'm going to make this an act of generosity because I have the means to do so. And based on that and that alone. So now it, it's my standard practice. I'm going to tip at least 20% every time. If the food comes late and it's cold and the order is mixed up and my coffee never gets refilled, if it's the worst restaurant experience I've ever had, I'm still going to tip at least 20% because it's not an entitlement, but it is an act of generosity. That's one thing, one example. What other examples do you have in your life? What things do you have in your regular routine where you can identify something which maybe has been an attitude or a practice of entitlement and move it to become an act or a practice of generosity in its place. You know, when we do that, we take a giant leap towards grace because isn't that what grace is? As the centerpiece of our gospel message. That we say, we read scriptures, we sing songs about grace and we declare that, you know what, God has extravagantly given his love to us even when you and I are not entitled to receive it. We haven't earned it. We haven't deserved it. There's nothing which I can claim and say, God, I've done this, so you need to love and give me my salvation in return for that. That is off the table. There's no entitlement. But it is entirely an act of grace. You and I then, as God's people, who live within his grace, have opportunity to echo that grace in the way we live and in the way we engage other people. And we do so in ways that avoid entitlement and embrace generosity. Find one thing to do this week that can take a step in that direction that will lead you towards that in ways that share God's love with our world around us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of your word and the ways that you remind us of all that we can do to follow you. Lord, we have to admit today all of these opportunities before us 
in which we've convinced ourselves we're not stealing, that we're keeping commands, but we have to confess. We still have this attitude of owning it ourselves. We have failed to acknowledge that the earth is yours and everything in it. So Lord, bring us back again today to this place where we recognize that we are people that live within your grace and within your grace. May we then take up that call, that mandate to be stewards of your creation. And may you use that to show those around us your extravagant love for them as you have shown for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.